treated me for 20 minutes. She did reflexology. She could hardly touch my big toe. And I was released of 70% of my pain. My mother, who is like the most pragmatic person in town, looked at me afterwards and said, like, you don't look like before. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I have a very fascinating guest today, and it's funny how we met because um, I was actually doing some promotion of my podcast on Facebook, and I sent her a message. We hadn't have never met. We were just Facebook friends. She wrote back to me that she has a lot of stories to tell as well, and she would like to be a guest. And she told me what she does and who she is, and I thought, absolutely, definitely my kind of girl. She is born in Switzerland, but her mother is from Argentina of Ukrainian parents. Her father escaped Nazi Germany and went to Israel. Her husband is from South Africa and they met on the internet, but they actually met in Australia. I don't think it can get any more complicated or fascinating or international like that. Edna Schur is a natural or functional medicine practitioner. And we have a lot to talk about, my dear Edna. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys. Thank you so much for having me on such no short notice. I mean, this is like two weeks ago that we only started chatting, right? I am a woman of action. When I like somebody, I want to get it down because otherwise they escape. You know, when you don't catch people immediately, <laughs> there is always Absolutely. something. That's so, the same way that I work as well. Exactly. So you are in Zurich. You have a very interesting job. You help people in various ways connected to hormonal matters, especially also infertility, which is a big deal in today's world. And people don't talk about it much. Breaking taboos is a bit matting. And when I was a teenager, I liked to shock people. And today I break taboos in uh, health matters. I do functional medicine and uh, maybe my background is, uh, I started off with naturopathy in Israel. 2006, and then I went over to Chinese medicine, and that was then not yet enough for me. So I studied epigenetics and genetics, and that was even not enough for me yet. So someone told me in 2018, early 2018, they told me, Why don't you do functional medicine? So, like, what is that? I looked it up, and then I decided to do the IFM course, which is for doctors actually. And it was very challenging three months of studying a lot, like to get all the biochemistry that doctors do. It is the answer to all my prayers, like to everything that is uh, going on to understand patients and or clients. I call them clients because patients for me is a passive way of behavior. And if you have clients, they are taking action by themselves. So, but anyway, um, and so my, since years already, I'm specialized in endometriosis. Endometriosis is a, a condition that is estrogen dominance usually, but that can also vary in many, I mean, you can be progesterone deficient in normal estrogen, and then there is this dominance, or it can be, um, really an estrogen dominance, normal progesterone, it can vary so much. And out of endometriosis, you of course have the infertility. So um, usually those women do not fall pregnant very easily. 
I worked also for a long time and only with just infertility and uh, but the combination I I need a little bit of uh, everything I have people with uh, Hashimoto which have infertility issues or male infertility is also very very interesting and nobody talks about that because the males are so everything is great with them right <laughs> it is something very interesting to talk about and it sometimes takes the couples or the woman a bit of time to adapt or adjust or think about other options like no no I'm not going to ever do IVF and then after a month or two when you say like look probably this is the way for you to go because you've got blocked um, tubes or so many cysts or something like that then they start to warm up to a new situation I mean this is just our world right it, it tells us you have to be perfect in everything so you have to be also perfect in making a baby with sex, <laughs> having it the natural way, and then giving birth the natural way. And also, there is another very interesting aspect. A lot of women who had IVF children are tending to have C-sections because that's what the doctors say. It came in in natural, so let's have it in natural or not naturally. But that is not true. That is not necessary. No. no. I gave birth to both my children, my daughter in the birth house, so no doctors involved, and my son, unfortunately, in the hospital, but still in a very natural way and no drugs involved, nothing. Since you are talking about giving birth, well, we're going to come back yeah. to your, your methods. But you were telling me before when we were talking that both your children are IVF children. Yes. And you were saying it so beautifully, openly. And I would like you to talk about this a little bit because I just think it's such a taboo. This is one taboo in today's world. And another taboo in today's world is mental health. We are not allowed to have a mental problem. We always have to be happy. We always have have to be perfect and of course social media doesn't help so um you both your babies were as you said they were made in and not by you <laughs> made made with love <laughs> made with love but your daughter was made in south africa right yes exactly and in very special things so my husband and i we got married in 2011 um in israel <laughs> well the civil one we had in sydney and uh, <laughs> the traditional one we had in, in Israel. Then we tried to fall pregnant and tried and tried and tried and nothing, nothing, nothing. And I did, of course, all the Chinese herbs and went to acupuncture and did everything that I would do to others as well. But unfortunately, there was no result to that. So in 2015 to 2016, we went to South Africa to visit uh, my parents-in-law and um, the siblings of my husband. And I knew that my sister-in-law also did IVF for her daughter, who is now, I think, 16 years old. Yeah. And then she said to me, you know, the IVF that I've done is something very special. You only have it in South Africa or in America. And she gave me the name of it. It's called Zift, Z-I-F-T. And I thought, mm, interesting, I'm going to read about that. And then I tried to, to find if they have anything like that in Switzerland, and definitely not. In Switzerland, everything arrives later. It's like the joke from Einstein. It's amazing. Where are you going to go? You know the joke of Einstein? No, tell me the joke. <laughs> the joke goes like that. Where are you going to go, Professor Einstein, when the world is uh, going to have doomsday? So like, I'm going to go to Switzerland. Well, why that? Everything happens 50 years later. <laughs> I never heard that before, but it's a good one. <laughs> wow. Yes, so... 50 years later, I'm not going to wait for 50 years for my child to arrive. 
so this method is actually coming originally everything. I mean, the whole IVF comes originally from veterinary medicine. Did you know that? I did not know that. But now that you're saying that I was born on a farm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that at all. Go on. (laughs) So in Zift, and as I said, South Africa or Johannesburg and uh, in uh, in the US, they do it. But the price in South Africa is divided by 17, so it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> and $20,000 in the US, well, then you know where you're going to go. And I must say that Professor Gobetz, that was my doctor, he is 40 years in the business. He really knows his things and he's human and he holds your hand and it's it's and he does visualizations with you and so you need to visualize your child already in your arms and so it's like it's not a commercial let's do number 1 number 2 number 3 and so on wow so this method is they do until the extraction of the ovums it's normal like a normal ivf so you you're given hormones you need to inject them and then you go into theater to extract as many ovums as possible. Then there are like two different versions. Either you do zipped, which means they're combining them, putting, it doesn't need to be ICSI, it can be just normal in in the reagenzglas, in the tube. That's tube, yes. yes. That they um, let them create little (laughs) Little versions of themselves. Yeah, exactly. And then the next day, there is a bigger operation. They make a laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. So they they go in from three places, the belly button and the side, and they blow up your tummy and they're injecting as many zygotes as possible into the tube. Oh, why into the tube? Well, because there it's usually happening. So when you have sex, in a normal case, uh, the sperm enters the womb and it wiggles itself up into the tube. Mm-hmm. There he meets the egg. Mm-hmm. And from there, with all the enzymes and so on and so forth that is happening, the warmth, the darkness and so on, it then won- uh, wanders or, or um, floats into the womb mm-hmm. and settles down there. A lot of times, like there is a statistic, I think, of 15 or 20% of the women who have normal IVF when they implant or transfer the embryo, that the embryo wanders back into the tube. Why? because it's meant to be there and then only crawl down. So they kind of reverse it and they put in between five and whatever is being produced. I think they put eight zygotes into me with my daughter because they say all those who die, every time when you have a death of a cell, you have like uh, enzymes that are being extracted mm-hmm. and those enzymes will help the others to survive. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So that makes it really very interesting, right? So they put eight in and already the next night I dreamt that I have twins and it was confirmed. (laughs) Uh, Two weeks later, I had a positive test, a very strong positive test, and I was very, very nauseous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you were pregnant. Yeah, very pregnant, (laughs) yes. Yes. They saw two heartbeats and then I dreamt again after eight or nine weeks that one uh, one baby disappeared and he was really, he or she was disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then I had a lovely pregnancy and in the end I gave birth naturally in a birth house without any 
help or anything. And also the whole pregnancy, throughout the pregnancy, I was with a midwife and not with uh, doctors so much. That's amazing. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a perfect combination of classic medicine and, and natural medicine. I think they should go hand in hand. And I think the word alternative medicine is wrong. It shouldn't be alternative. No, it should be. Is, I hate that term. Mm. Yes, yes. So you needed the classic medicine to get pregnant. That's fine. Yeah. You accepted that. But then you went your way. And that is beautiful. And it's the same with so many things. I mean, and I think health and you know that a lot better than I do, health is self-responsibility, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. That's why I also don't call my patients patients. I call yes. them clients, yeah. Yes, yes, you said that before. We are all responsible for our body. And there is always a pill, you know, there is always a pill. You don't have to bother. You can have whatever you can, but that's not the, that's not the solution because the pill has side effects. Exactly. That's exactly the point, like why they invented or why Jeffrey Bland has invented the functional medicine. He is a medical doctor and biochemist and uh, very much interested also in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine. Then his wife said to him, I think in the 80s or late 70s, like, why don't you just um, do a new kind of medicine where you are explaining the biochemical part into the um, Asian medicines, because Asian medicine is very founded. I mean, I, I can explain to you everything of TCM in a biochemical version. And I can have a bad blood result and make uh, treatment, or I can have very simple. I can have someone with very high blood pressure do acupuncture, and 20 minutes later, it's normal. Or breathing, um, not good red blood cells, have them breathe for, give them breathing exercises and a month later they do a test and it's all normal again. If they do it, if they do the exercise that you give them. I'm very strict with my clients. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you see, the thing is that um, a pill is easier. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Because so yeah, what I wanted to go on to is like the medical, the Western medical thing, it's not to blame the Professor Muller or the Professor Meyer. It's really the education that they have is very limited. It's biochemical and symptom related. So you have a headache, you get a pill. You have a migraine, you get a pill. But they don't ask, when is the migraine coming? Have you had cheese, chocolate, or red wine? Mm -hmm. You maybe have allergies to something. They don't have the time or the knowledge sometimes to ask those things. Five minutes medicine, yeah. So you have the pill for the ill. Yeah, very true. And this is, um, I think, more and more people are actually sort of waking, waking up, up and understanding that uh, there is so much more you can do. And you were also telling me that your daughter was or made, you said it nicely, made in South Africa. Your son was made in Prague, in the Czech Republic, because of COVID, because you couldn't travel to South Africa. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> was that the same method? No. So. Funny enough, after my daughter was born, we went one more time when she was about one. That was five. She's now five. Yeah. So we went four years ago. We went to um, Joburg and did the same procedure and it didn't do anything, unfortunately. And then I started to fall pregnant by myself. Oh. But unfortunately, I lost them. Yeah. They didn't hold. So, and I must maybe also say with my daughter, I was 39. Um, and now make a calculation. 
39 plus 5 and 44, or turning 45 this year. So yeah, well, so my, my son is now nine months old. He was born in July. In October, um, in September 2020, I said, okay, now, now or never. I'm, I want to now have another child or we want to have another child. And I don't trust my eggs anymore really to perform well. Mm-hmm. And I have had many clients and friends also who did egg donation. And I thought, you know what? There is, I mean, I'm in epigenetics and genetics. Yes, it's an egg from a different woman, which means she's also healthier and younger and more vital and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, he's growing in my tummy. He's getting my blood. So epigenetically, depending on how I behave, whether I'm barking at my husband or at my daughter or if I'm kind, this is what he or she will get. Yeah. And I must say, my daughter looked exactly like him. And my daughter, we were like, both like, oh, how is the child going to look like? And so on. We learned from this, from our daughter, who is 100% our material, right? Our um, genetics. She is blonde. Do I look anything blonde to you? No, you don't. No, but if no. our listeners can't see this, can't see that, but I can confirm that you're not blonde. <laughs> no, I'm not blonde. And my husband is also not blonde, but both our uncles are blonde. Yeah. Yeah. So it just jumped a generation. Mm-hmm. And my husband all the time says, she doesn't look anything like me. I think she does does look a little bit like his sister. Um, I don't think that she looks like me, but people tell me that she looks like me. Like, okay, if you say so. <laughs> I think we don't see that. No, we but, don't. No. no, we don't see yeah. that. Right? Yeah. 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 And with my son, I mean, he looks like her. Therefore, as well, like me, probably. I don't know. Yeah. That's amazing. I just want to repeat that for the people who are listening. Mm-hmm. The egg for your daughter was from, was not yours. It was from, no, for your daughter was yours, but for your son, it was from a younger woman. And that worked out perfectly fine. And you have a beautiful boy. Yes, so exactly. I think one of the really the bottom line of this whole subject, because we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about traveling and how you went to all these places, but um, is that we have to wake up and understand that it's okay to talk about not being able to have children. It's okay to do IVF. It's okay to whatever. It doesn't make you imperfect just because you can't have children. Yeah? Absolutely. I mean, I have per year approximately two, between two and five, depending on uh, what the subjects are, right? Between two and five uh, couples who come to me for um, infertility reasons. And actually, some so so funny. And two last year, I mean, the last year was short because I stopped working in June. Two, they fell pregnant kind of the same time and they gave birth the same day, 4th of May. <laughs> From both, I received in the same day uh, a WhatsApp with a picture. The one was born, uh, it's also a girl and boy, both in Switzerland, but in different parts. One in the morning and one in, at night. So like, how funny! Both on the same day. That's amazing. <laughs> Maybe they will meet one day. <laughs> <laughs> so there is. I mean, IVF is the last resort. There are many things that people can do before. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if people come and see you, you have a lot of stuff up your sleeve that you can use. Yeah. So let me tell you a very. I think that was. I think the first success story when I just started practicing here in Switzerland. A lady who came to me, she was the same age like me. She did already IVF. She had endometriosis and she did many IVFs before. 
because the doctors told her both her tubes are blocked and no chance that she will ever fall pregnant by herself, which is already a sentence that you should never, never, always, and uh, so on doesn't exist. Everything is reversible. This is functional medicine. It explains to you that everything is reversible. You are not the person that you were 10 years ago because your skin has changed multiple times, your bones have changed, everything has changed. And so as I work also with Chinese medicine, I gave her a um, vaginal enema to do that would open up the tubes. And she said, yeah, I've got endometriosis, I've got basidov, so it's a thyroid um, issue. And um, my tubes are blocked, I'm giving up. <laughs> I gave her to do that. She was a dance instructor, so she had some competitions to do. And a month later, I get a WhatsApp, I'm pregnant. Like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> it never it, works, right? It even, yeah, that's the thing. Never say never. Exactly. By now she's got two kids. Amazing. Amazing. Isn't that beautiful? That that makes you feel good, doesn't it? I mean, that is 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 I think being able to help somebody to have a child is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Then I had the second one, also a very similar case. First one, she did normal IVF, meaning a lot of uh, hormones injections. There is also insemination, right? And or just helping with hormones to have ovulation if there is a non-productive ovulation. And then there is another method called natural IVF. So you do not inject any uh, medication. You just go with the cycle of the woman. And the one ovum that is ovulating, you just extract that and do it with that. So that was a couple. They did that um, already three times in Zurich. So very, very expensive and nothing happened. Why did they do natural? Because she had in the age of 28, she had breast cancer. And if she would inject anything, she could trigger another um, cancer Mm. um, to develop. So obviously, and then I gave her herbs, vaginal enema, (laughs) again, told her, don't eat that, don't eat that, don't eat that. Eat all the leafy greens. Don't take folic acid, just take folate, the activated form of it. Not even even a month later, not even a month. She just started the first enema she did. Two days later, um, they had sex. Three, <laughs> two weeks later, she tells me she's pregnant. Fantastic, fantastic! You mentioned the word epigenetics a few times, and um, I was—I'm a—I'm a coach. I'm, I did my coaching training in Dubai, and we were studying the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Dr. Yes. Bruce Lipton? Lipton, Hammer, and a few more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think this is something that the, the, the Biology of Belief is a book by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And I think that's a book that is very recommendable for mm-hmm. people to understand what you said before, because we change. We are not the same. We change all the time. Yeah. And that's why anything is possible. What I say in functional medicine, or what we say in functional medicine, actually, is that everything has a lifespan. Yeah. So if we go just like from a normal blood count, red blood cells live 120 days approximately, white blood cells, depending on what kind of white blood cells, between 60 or 30 and 90 days. The bones have a um, renewal of every seven years. Your uh, nervous cells, I think, also three months. Your skin, five to six weeks. So you're all the time renewing yourself. The only thing that doesn't really um, change is the memory, thank God. Otherwise, you would forget all the time. 
Yeah, we are, I already do sometimes. <laughs> You've got an overload, you start to be selective listening and selective uh, remembering. Very true. Sometimes <laughs> it feels full, but no. Now let's talk a little bit about, because my podcast is called Most Memorable yeah. Journeys, but you, your, your pregnancies are a journey that is definitely a memorable journey. But I want to know, why were you in Australia? Why did you meet your husband in Australia? <laughs> Can I go a bit? You can go anywhere you want. <laughs> I want to actually correct something. You told me that my father escaped Nazi Germany. No, my father was born already in Israel. His oh. parents escaped Nazi Germany. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, no, okay. that's fine. Yeah, yeah. He was born in 1940. Yeah, but. Okay. In 2004, I have the car accident here in Zurich on the same day that I got uh, the letter of divorce from my first husband. Uh oh. Which is, in hindsight, very interesting, no? 7th of May, 2004. The stamp of the judge and boom. (laughs) That was a journey for me. I mean, I'm very happy that all that happened. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting where I'm sitting now. Back then, I um, I mean, whom did I call after the car accident? My (laughs) ex-husband. Because he was kind of the only one picking up the phone. And from there, I went from doctor to doctor, pill for nil, right? And I was never really the pill person, but um, I had so much pain. I couldn't sit longer than 15 minutes. I kind of didn't have the choice of taking something. I was twice, I think, even in emergency room because I felt so, I couldn't get up. Uh, it was really horrible and they had to give me hardcore stuff Um morphine or something like that so so from there someone uh, yeah I went also to acupuncturist and to bioresonance and to whatever and did nothing helped me nothing and so eventually someone told me way well, you have to go to this woman she is a naturopath and she does acupuncture and blah 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 said so like no I have spent so much money already on all those people and they just suck out the money out of your pocket and it doesn't do and and she was nagging me no you have to go to her I also had a whiplash she helped me blah 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 and so on eventually I said like okay I'm gonna call her she's gonna treat me one time if it's not gonna help (laughs) bye bye not gonna see her I went there I stayed three hours she asked me all the right questions she gave me the space to answer and then she wanted to release me and I said and are you not gonna treat me so like um, usually after all the first session or so and I don't do it, but if you ask like that, yes. She treated me for 20 minutes. She did reflexology. She could hardly touch my big toe. And I was released of 70% of my pain. Wow. My mother, who is like the most pragmatic person in town, looked at me afterwards and said, like, you don't look like before. So like, yeah, I don't know what this woman did, but she did something good. <laughs> And that changed my life. And from there, I went into um, wanting to study Chinese medicine and naturopathy and so on. And I didn't want to do it in Switzerland. So I um, I wanted to find my own path and go to Israel, where my father is from. Actually, my parents met there as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I was also, what was that, 29, I think. And I wanted to have a husband. And I was at that time a bit religious. And I was dating a lot in Jerusalem. After Jerusalem, I was dating and no one was good enough. (laughs) And through a Jewish uh, dating website, um, 
And I said, like, only I was only looking within Israel, and then some guy from uh, an Israeli guy, but from Sydney, wrote to me. It was my husband, <laughs> someone else. <laughs> and we were having the magical connection. And I thought, like, wow. And then he even came from Sydney to Israel to meet me. Wow. It was like, wow and a half. Like, <laughs> I mean, our communication was already difficult. Whenever he was awake, I was sleeping and so on, right? Yes. Upside down world. Down. Yeah. <laughs> down under. <laughs> yeah. So um, he came and then it was magical. We thought we're going to get married. And within three weeks, he disappeared on me. As magical as he came into my life, it is, we planned together that I would come to Sydney that we would see how we function together and so on. I would do a practicum there, three months. So he was gone and I said to myself, you know what, screw you, I can do it myself. <laughs> I'm not dependent on any men, but I went onto a, onto a Jewish dating site, yeah, getting to know site uh, in Australia where you can also find flatmates and so on. And I didn't look for, for a boyfriend, anything like that. I just, because the time when I went was also all the high holidays, uh, Jewish high holidays. And I wrote, I don't want to be alone. So on. maybe someone who, you know, girl, even girls or something mm-hmm. that I could meet. And then Joel appeared. <laughs> and we have similar background, his father, was a painter and artist and my father is a quite famous in Switzerland and worldwide artist and um, then he came pick me up at the airport. <laughs> and the rest is history you said before. <laughs> yeah the rest is history exactly and now my daughter is asking us every evening what did you do naughty? <laughs> she <laughs> wants what to did you do when you meet? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I think you're five years old now a little bit early. <laughs> to tell you the naughty stuff. Well, they are getting, they want to know it more and <laughs> earlier and earlier these days, I think. Exactly. So you stayed in um, in Australia, you did an internship. That was an, a natural path internship that you did in Australia. Um, Chinese medicine, okay. Chinese medicine and herbs, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then how did you end up in Switzerland together? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I was born here and grew up here in Switzerland. My parents uh, still live here. My father had to leave Israel because of health reasons. And he went in the 1964, he came to Switzerland to the Bircher Benner Clinic in Zurich. Yeah. Where the Bircher Misli was invented. Right. <laughs> yes. And uh, he was kind of adopted by the chief doctor back then, Dagmar Lirti who took care of him free of charge because he came from a very poor family. In Israel, they told him in a half year, you're going to be dead. And uh, here they pepped him up and brought him back to life, basically. That's material for another podcast. (laughs) Well, then maybe talk to him directly. Yeah, that's fascinating. So he was told that um, he may not make it. And in the Bircher Bender Clinic, which I'm going to put all the links that we are talking about in the show. It doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. It doesn't exist anymore. No, I didn't know that. But uh, yeah, so you you were saying this before, anything is possible. You know, never ever believe that what they tell you, this is it, you've got a year or or, or, anything is possible. I think that's a a very, yeah, yeah. 
And it's also in the mind, everything is possible. Like people are just, uh, this morning I had a client here, She's uh, she had a very bad vaccine injury from the COVID vaccine. She's got also a five-year-old. She's about my age, 44, 45, something like that. And she, the, the son is asking her already, when are you dying? And I said to her, you never, ever give up. You are going to survive that. There is no <laughs> chance in hell I'm going to let happen that you are going yeah. from here yeah 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 and that uh and that's why there are people there's people like you there's people like there's people like me i i'm a coach i don't do anything yeah. medicine but i also help people understand yeah. never too late it's all in the mind yeah the yeah. thought has so much impact on everything people have a, a taboo still with mental health that yeah we're not allowed to ask for help. I believe that asking for help is a sign of strength and not a sign of weakness. It's like crying as well. No, I don't cry. Well, cry, that's a release. Yeah. I mean, uh, but we don't, we're not allowed to cry because if we, when we are, when we cry, we're weak. Mm-hmm. Which is really Total the whole mindset. Men need to be like that. And women need to be like that. The women cry. Men don't cry. That's right. Yes, and, and and as you and as another thing we said before, when when there is an infertility problem, we always check the woman first because men are not allowed to have this problem. Yeah, and, and you I, know how many cases? I mean, in Switzerland specifically, I think approximately once a year, when they speak about in the news, when they speak about the water quality, they say that there is a lot of um, death of fish. Mm-hmm. Because they don't reproduce because of the hormones of the in the water. Where are the hormones coming from? From the birth control pill that the women are t- eating. Mm-hmm. Which is, are you taking medication? No, I don't take medication. Do you take birth control pill? Yes. This is a medication. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you mention that before? So, <laughs> not medication, but it goes into the through the urine out, and it poisons our our fish. And yeah. then it goes to be drinking water. It's, it can't. That's the only thing that the filters cannot filter out is the hormones because it's two small molecules. Men are drinking it. And what happens to spermies? Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Or the next generation that is born of men, they don't have sperm coming out or whatever is not working. Yeah. We don't talk about that. I know, I know, we don't. I want to talk about something else that I don't, uh, you know, not supposed to talk about. I want to talk about you being Jewish. Yes. How much do you practice? So I was born into a family to that both my, both my mom's family that came from Odessa were secular, so not very religious. Mm -hmm. And also my... What I know from my grandmother, I think my grandmother's father was very religious or mm-hmm. more religious. And then when um, my grandmother came in 39, I think, to Israel with the ship, she met, she was young, and she <laughs> lied to my grandfather about her age. <laughs> naughty, naughty. Very naughty. <laughs> and fell pregnant, and they had to get married when she was in the beginning, so they were not so religious. No, you mean they actually, they had sex before they got married, right? <laughs> and in the in 39, that was like a big deal, right? You I can imagine. 
never mind whether Jewish or not. I mean, what was it in Switzerland? The woman was not able to go and live in an apartment by herself unless she was married or something. Exactly. Yes. Taboo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then my father fell ill when he was 11 years old with uh, Morbus Bechtre, which is called today ankylosing spondylitis, and was all the time in and out of hospital, taking a lot of pills and so on and so forth. They only had cortisone in that time. And then he kind of woke up as well from this pill for an ill thing. Someone gave him a book about the Maimonides. It was a doctor and a rabbi who lived in 1200 in Egypt and then moved to Spain. And he wrote a whole book that is part of the Bible, of our Bible, about what to eat, how to eat, when, how the stool should look like. It's called the, the Book of Life. Mm -hmm. And he read that, and then he looked at the plate that they gave him in the hospital and said, like, what am I eating here? This doesn't fit health. Mm -hmm. I'm in a hospital to become healthy, but that doesn't fit health. And then he went to um, Haifa and he did there with a naturopath a fasting kurov. He was fasting for 40 days. He didn't eat anything. He had cleaned his whole thing. How did we get to that subject? What I wanted to know about how, how, how much of, of, of our religion uh, is practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. I deviated a bit. <laughs> so um, from reading that book, he became more fascinated by the body and trying to understand what actually the Bible is about. And the Bible is not about so much spirituality. It's actually about our real life. Mm -hmm. So when he was uh, in the clinic in, in Zurich, alone, without any parents, and he was just, he just turned 24, a more or less religious family um, from Zurich adopted him, kind of. They're like the, his so-called mom <laughs> or second mother. She still is alive and she lives not far away from us. And I call her um, granny. Yeah. She's now, she just turned 90. Or oh, nice. she's turning 91, sorry. And she's fit as a tonshu, as a... She's <laughs> a fiddle. Fit as a fiddle. <laughs> Exactly. She still drives her car and so on. And now she's also not, not that religious anymore, but he kind of found back to religion. But I actually don't want to say religion because he was also, he had a mentor here who was a very religious rabbi, who was a mathematician and who had a lot of Christian followers because he did spiritualism, not religion, because religion is man-made, but spiritualism in the connection with the Jewish or the Hebrew alphabet, because there is a lot of hidden stuff there. So when you even say alphabet, that's Aleph Bet, yeah? that's the mm -hmm. Hebrew version of it. Every letter has like, you have the appearance of it, what you see in front of you. And then you have, what is the meaning? What numerical value does it have? And then you go like step by step. So you probably all have heard of uh, Kabbalah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but not Madonna Kabbalah. This is a different Kabbalah. <laughs> <laughs> the version of it, the quicker okay. version. But yeah, the, mystic, um, the mystics, they say like, you're not allowed to study Kabbalah unless you're 40 years old, that you are married and you had children. Why? Because it gives you a certain life experience. If you study Kabbalah previously to all your life experience, you might go insane where we're back in the mental health mm -hmm. corner because it's just too deep and I, I can absolutely understand that 
because it has so many layers and layers. And so in my practice, I have, uh, or I've developed two things. Um, My anamnesis, how I question my patients. It's in three sessions and it's about six hours. Yeah. Oh, my God, six hours of anamnesis. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because you need to do a deep dive into your life in order to understand why you are in the place that you are. And then... Mm -hmm. And then I have developed a five-step program to to health, to all-embracing health, um, where where it's a lot of questions that each of them um, answer for themselves, where it's a deep dive. And then the second step, where it's uh, the first step is reconnect. The second step is uh, know the unknown. So that's very much a lot of epigenetics. Mm -hmm from family and from what are you carrying by yourself and then what is your name and where we go over the name what is the numerical value and how do you feel with your name is it really connection to you or did you always resent your name and stuff like that this is very kabbalistic but i need to keep it on a kind of superficial level to not um, otherwise it can really drag yeah tails down yeah yeah so when I had my car accident, I was basically in a very similar position like my father when he was brought to Switzerland. He had it gradually and I had like a boom, a yeah. car accident. Yeah. 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 And um, then I had a time where I was, I turned very religious. I went and I studied everything and names and this and I went, I uh, was very strict, only with skirts and not giving men the hand and understanding why they do that. And my mom said, oh, you're becoming too extreme and so on. And so like, yes, I know. And I will find my middle path, but I need it right now as my framework to get healthy. And so it was the moment I arrived in Jerusalem because I decided to make Aliyah to go and live in Israel and study there and find a husband there and so on. I arrived there and I started to go to synagogue. And then I saw that there are all kinds of variations of religiosity. Or yeah. uh, So there was like pants with a skirt above or pants and a head cover for those who were married. And I thought like, oh, and then I had friends. She was non-religious and he was very religious. Like, how are you to... How is that working? Yeah. It just depends. I mean, it's just the internal mindset. Absolutely. (laughs) You make stuff function. So I said like, okay, I'm just doing my own thing. (laughs) And my husband is very secular. He learned to to read. I mean, he he lived eight years of his life in Israel, but uh, that was when he was small and then he had to go back to South Africa and relearned very much Afrikaans and and, uh, English. So Hebrew went out of the window. But uh, I do my spiritual thing and wherever he feels comfortable, he goes along with me and whatever he doesn't feel. So sometimes he doesn't want to say to his employer that he he wants to have free day on Yom Kippur, Mm -hmm. to work on Yom Kippur, but then he doesn't eat there. Like, okay, mm-hmm. that makes him happy. It makes him happy. I'm not going to interfere into that. It's all about tolerance, isn't it? It's all about deciding and, and being free and not being um, forced to do something. And then then it works out the way you want. You choose how you want it to be. Absolutely. I mean, there are things that I understand completely. For example, the fact that um, in Judaism, you do not eat milk and meat together. 
Now I studied microbiome analysis. I have another um, certificate in microbiome uh, analysis from uh, the University of Boulder, Colorado mm-hmm. that I've done just um, a few weeks before I gave birth. <laughs> Last time. <laughs> yeah. Quick, quick. I understand that because you digest meat differently to, to dairy products. I mean, I'm going to have... A, if you have inflammation, don't eat red meat and don't eat dairy. That's the one thing. So then you don't have that problem anymore so much. But in, in Judaism, you say like if you eat dairy, you need to wait a half an hour until you have meat. If you eat meat first, you need to wait between three and six hours until you can have dairy. The one is alkaline and the other one is acid. Mm-hmm. It takes way longer to digest. And it's pretty sour in the pH. Yeah. You bring in alkaline, it can make an explosion. Does that mean that I personally don't eat sometimes um, meat with the rum, with the cream sauce? Sometimes I eat. But? Am I going to hung, be hung for that? No. But yeah. I feel it afterwards in my tummy. Yeah, I it's think just, we all do. And and that, that's one thing we don't do. We should listen a little bit more to our body because we can feel it. You're right. And and that thing with the meat and the and the milk is not a religious thing. It's a logical thing at the end of the day. It just happened to be part of the religion. And I want to tell you another story, if I may. You tell yes, me when the time is up. To the end, but tell me. Okay. Um, a few years ago, I... Went again, like, ah, it was when I studied functional medicine, exactly. exactly. And then I um, was in a little bit also listening to uh, Peter Dadamo who with the um, blood type diet and so on, and thought to myself, why is pork so bad? Why is pork so highly inflammatory for people? I mean, I don't eat it. I used to eat it once upon a time, um, but I don't do that. And then I went into this blood type and thought, like, what kind of blood type do animals have? So I Googled it, and most of the animals, like sheep or whatever, they've got blood type F and H and S and whatever, not weird stuff that <laughs> we never heard of. And pork has got the same blood type like we human. So in other words, you know what they use pig for? To create lungs and hearts for us. They don't take it from a monkey or from a cow. They take it from a from a pig because it has the same blood type like we have. And they match it. So if I'm an A negative and if I would need a lung, they would take it from a pig that has A negative, not from a from a zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if you're eating yourself up, this is an inflammation. You start to create an autoimmune response. And it's very interesting because I had a I have a patient who is um, who has uh, colitis ulcerosa, and she used to eat a lot of pork, thinking it was healthy. And I said to her, "Look, you cannot do that. You need to stop it immediately." Yeah, but what am I going to eat then? Then like, no, you don't do that. And she spoke to her parents, and they said, "Oh, we know that inflammation. We never eat when we have an inflammation. We never eat pork. You should stop it." And her microbiome analysis has changed drastically but really drastically from hyperinflammatory within four months to almost clean. Amazing. By stopping it. 
This is all very, very fascinating, Edna, but we have come to the end. And mm-hmm. I know that you are in Zurich, but do you treat people online? Because yes. I have people listening. I just checked the statistics before in 97 countries to my podcast. Wow, cool. So can people get in touch with you? I, we will put your website in the show notes. So if anybody wants to get in touch with Edna Schur, who has been very, very open and honest and beautiful in this podcast, please get in touch with her. And from my side, thank you so much for being my guest on Most Memorable Journeys. Thank you very much for being here. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.